Welcome to the VMOX Road to Mobile Victory podcast. Enterprise mobility is bigger and more complicated than ever. In this series, we'll talk about the latest trends, inspiring success stories, and simple and effective tips for managing your corporate mobile assets, expenses, and services. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Andrea Leiby, Director of Marketing at VMOX. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the biggest issues that IT faces when managing corporate mobile assets, expenses, and services, but across continents and carriers. We'll share advice for those that are new to international mobility management and mistakes that every multinational should avoid when looking after their mobile devices and end users. Joining me today is Ben Kreese, VMOX Director of Client Experience. In addition to his role in client experience, Ben is also supporting our glowing, not glowing, but I guess it is, growing global operations and is a proud UK resident. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So anyone who listens in knows that I'd like to start with kind of a fun question so our listeners can get to know their guests. If you were given a chance to work remotely from half the year from any country and money was no object, what country do you think you'd pick to work in? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. And <laughs> anyone that knows me knows I love travel. And, and it's one of my biggest passions in life is travel. Although since having three young children, travel doesn't yes. happen quite as much as it <laughs> did, did once upon a time. Yeah. Um, but actually after I, I finished university, um, my, my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, but my wife now and I went traveling around the world. And I uh, went to lots of different countries, spent six months kind of backpacking away, not oh, really with too much of a plan. It was amazing. Um, and we always said we'd get back to doing that some more, but then mortgages and jobs and children happen. So yeah. not quite, uh, not quite got back to it. But um, on that travel, we always reflect on, on New Zealand being probably oh, the favourite country yes. we visited. Um, and just fantastic place, you know, so much diversity. You know, you could be on the beach one day, you could be climbing a volcano the next day. Um, I've got really strong memories of sitting in thermal hot pools, looking out at the stars oh. overnight. Um, just amazing place. And, you know, the UK is, is a great country and I love living here and my whole family's here. Um, but the UK has got something like 65 million people live here. It's, it's pretty crowded <laughs> um, for the size of the country. And, and New Zealand's slightly bigger than the UK and has 5 million residents. Oh. Um, so I think the appeal of perhaps a bit more outside, room. a bit more room um, <laughs> is, is definitely there. So um, I'll say New Zealand. Okay, that's awesome. You know, I haven't been to New, New Zealand on my on my bucket list. Um, I think for me, it's probably France. I, you know, for me, the, the food, the culture, weather, everything is amazing. But they also just have a really relaxed way of life. And I, I was kind of looking at some things lately, and they said that there's actually a law that bans employees from checking email after 6 p.m. And to me, that is just sets the tone, is amazing. And then you add in a glass of wine, maybe a seaside cottage, and that's just heaven. So if you found me in, you know, the south of France next year, you know, you'll know why. <laughs> well, I'll be coming to visit you. That's a, you made a good sales pitch there. I can definitely <laughs> fancy some of that. <laughs> Very true. All right, so let's dig into today's topic. You know, as companies continue to expand across borders and the global market pace becomes more accessible, right, there are more opportunities to work internationally. And I found some research that said in the 1980s, roughly one in five employees of U.S. multinational corporations were hired abroad. But now, at kind of last count, it's actually closer to one third or more. And for certain industries, it's actually as high as 60 or 80 percent. You know, cheap labor is an obvious advantage, but corporations are saying that hiring 
abroad allows them to be closer to the customer. They can get greater diversity in talent and tech and skills. But obviously, along with those benefits, you can run into potential stumbling blocks when it comes to international business. You know, Ben, based on your experience over the years, what are some of those challenges that maybe multinationals face when managing their global teams and those IT assets that come along with it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of multinationals and a lot of U.S. multinationals um, over my career. And what I see is the sheer size and scale of complexity of trying to run you know, a, a global IT organization or a you know, specifically mobility organization. It is very significant. And mm-hmm. um, as you add in countries and carriers, it, it really multiplies very quickly the level of complexity. You know, it's complex managing just say US environment where you might have AT&T and Verizon and perhaps yeah. some of the smaller carriers. It's complex running all of the different processes, thinking about the invoicing, the billing, the contracts, the how do you order a device? How do you get an accessory? How do you make sure that's in the hands of the user and it's configured correctly with the right security, et cetera? That's complicated just to do in the US. You then multiply that by say you have 30 different countries. Mm. Well, in those 30 different countries, you're going to have potentially up to 50 different suppliers if you've got suppliers for airtime and hardware and accessories potentially multiple of those in a single country and then you think about again those same processes so how do you order that device you've suddenly got 30 or 40 different processes for how to order a mobile phone Um, how do you order a sim card how do you provision a plan for that sim card again 30 or 40 different processes and that could be going through a carrier portal it could be email it could be telephone Uh, you may need language skills or not yeah Um, There's so much complexity as you multiply around the world. Um, That really, I think, is the big challenge in in running IT and and mobility globally. Um, And a lot of organizations I talk to, you know, often I'll find myself talking to the global owner who, you know, they could be in the UK, they could be in France, they could be in Australia or the US, they could be wherever. They don't have a huge amount of experience outside of their kind of immediate country or or perhaps region. So often they're lacking the, the experience and you know, it's probably naive to think anyone would be an expert in every country and territory. So they often lack the kind of knowledge, but they also lack the capacity because the ability to support across all these time zones, all of these different languages, all of these different processes I described is very significant. So I think that seems to be the big challenge I, I see most multinationals trying to, to balance is how do they manage that level of complexity across all of those different territories. And a lot of them really struggle with do you go for a standardized global approach where you try to get every country to fall in line with a single strategy, a single policy, or do you go for a local approach where you let the individual countries kind of run independently? Mm. And there's pros and cons to both of those. And, and probably the best approach is somewhere in the middle um, when you really think about cultural and regulatory and the market differences. So um, that's a piece, you know, I help a lot of customers with and spend a lot of time talking to them about is how do you define that policy? How do you set up that global process to to really manage through all that complexity. Yeah, that's a lot to think about. So, you know, we not everyone has a straight path into kind of international mobility management. We hear from a lot of our clients that this responsibility more so kind of landed in their lap, kind of sometimes overnight and sometimes by accident. So they were either given a promotion that included global oversight, or maybe they got that new position and then found out later, you know, maybe due to staffing shifts or some other type of reason that they're now responsible for additional countries. Could be one, it could be five, in addition to maybe the United States. You know, and the big question we always get from these professionals is now what? What do I do? How do I strategize? What are those important first steps? Kind of a a help me out situation. You know, do you have any tips for someone 
that as they transition into a, a global role like this, anything that can help them have sort of short-term and long-term success in your mind? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting smiling to myself thinking about how many times I've had this conversation with <laughs> you know, a, a client in various different countries, because it, it does happen exactly as you described, that often somebody gets that promotion and given that uh, global responsibility and they sit there saying, well, I'm not really sure where to start. Yeah. And I would always guide them into the first thing to do is really understand what do you have today? And it, and it sounds like a really simple thing to do. Um, but often, you know, I speak to customers who they don't know how many devices and, and connections they've got in different countries. They don't know who the providers are. They don't know what the different processes are. They really just have perhaps some invoicing data that, okay, well, I think we're paying O2 in the UK this. I think we're paying Orange in France that, but they don't really know anything behind it. Um, so the, really the first part is, is that data gathering. Build that repository of information. Understand you know, what your global footprint is. What do you have in which countries? How much you're spending? Mm-hmm. Who the carriers are? Who the suppliers are? What um, what you have in terms of um, local needs on the ground? Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously, a lot of what was done historically would have been done probably for a reason. Um, maybe a certain carrier was chosen because they offer coverage. Um, maybe certain plans were chosen because of the device, uh, the user uh, profiles. You know, perhaps there's a lot of people mm-hmm. traveling, so mm-hmm. you needed certain plans. So. I would start by trying to understand what you have and understand kind of the why of what what led you there. And then you can start to then really focus around where to go next. And and my thought there is is to that policy piece. It's to what do you want your global mobility estate to look like and how do you want to govern and manage it? And policy will drive a lot of that. So what devices people are allowed to have, what plans, what your policy is on travel, on personal usage, really start to define that at a global level. But to what I was saying earlier, you also want to think about what might be the needs at a local level. And you know, you made the great point about the French laws around uh, emails after six o'clock. Yeah. You know, I've had to work with customers who've had to look at strategies to, uh, to support that and to stop mm. physically stop the users getting emails. And in the days of BlackBerry, I remember working with uh, customers who would switch off their BlackBerry servers at certain yep. times to mm-hmm. stop, stop users getting emails. So... Think about the policy, but think then about how to apply that locally. I think they're the two places to start. Go with the data gathering, understand what you have, and then start to think about your your overall policy approach. Those are good tips. So I imagine, you know, that leading a, a global enterprise enterprise mobility program is a bit like being kind of a music director, right? Of an orchestra. You're trying to bring everything together in coordination to realize this kind of grand vision um, and deliver the greatest impact back to your organization. So instead of your instruments and musicians, you might have devices and administrators and users. And your music halls are replaced with offices and homes. And your ticket managers and your business owners maybe are stakeholders and leadership. So this is kind of a consuming job that involves juggling this host of competing duties and priorities, what do you think are generally the mistakes that people make when it comes to international mobility management? Uh, I'm laughing here thinking how I failed music. and uh, <laughs> I know, I have no talent whatsoever. It just, it just came to me though when I was thinking about a person and how much they needed to kind of manage and it, it felt like you were a conductor of an orchestra. Right. Well, I like it. And I'm pretty sure I had a go at that at school and wasn't very good. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, you know, not to want to repeat myself too much here, but it, I think it does come back to that understanding how you want to manage your fleet and understanding 
global versus local and the nuances um, at, a, at a local level. And I see a lot of companies kind of failing to think about those local nuances mm. of how things are different. And I think of an example of uh, a week or two ago when I was working with a customer and they uh, were doing a device refresh. Uh, they had a, a number of older uh, mobile devices mm-hmm. um, that were no longer supported and they had security concerns about those devices. And so they were needing to refresh them uh, across multiple countries move those users to a, a more updated device that could support the, the security needs. And for the US, they saw it as very straightforward because there's device subsidies. So they, the yep. cost to go and re- replace those devices was pretty cheap. They could just do it on a 24-month plan and get the device subsidies and they didn't have to budget too much. But they were very surprised when they started looking at other countries to find that those device subsidies didn't exist. Mm. And actually they needed to purchase the hardware upfront at, at close to full retail price, which as you imagine, if you're looking at the latest devices could be you know, yeah. thousands of dollars a piece. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly they had a huge bill. I think it was somewhere around hundred thousand dollars. They had to find budget for which they hadn't accounted for mm. because the team running the project were looking at it through the, the U S lens of mm. this is how it works here. And they assumed it would work the same in other countries. Yeah. Um, and so then that sort of led to conversations about, well, what other strategies are there to procure devices? Um, you know, certainly things like device leasing, looking at uh, refurbished devices, et cetera, um, all play into parts of a lot of what, co- what companies do outside of the US where there aren't the subsidies. They look at ways of, subsidi- of um, getting cheaper devices. So you know, it certainly led to a different strategy conversation, but, but we kind of landed there because they weren't thinking about that, uh, that local nuance. Um, and there's other pieces, you know, that tie into that. Um, we think about... Again, the policy that we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, we talk a little bit about some of the uh, regulatory around things like data protection. You know, everyone talks about mm-hmm. GDPR and that's you know, a hot topic for a lot of companies right now. And how do you protect your users and protect their data? Um, think about things like employee rights um, in some companies uh, in some countries and companies, the employees entitled to the device and it's their rights that their company and their yeah. local workers councils have negotiated that right. And maybe they're not using it. Maybe on paper, it's a zero usage device that could be disconnected, but they have a right to that device and you can't disconnect it. So lots of things to think about that, you know, could, could seem very simple, but if you get it wrong, could become very expensive or, or lead to, you know, user dissatisfaction. Yeah. I think it's about kind of, you know, a lot of times if you take a too simplified approach, then you might be missing a lot of those things, right? Or assuming that what works in the US also works in every other country around the world, and you're just going to template out, right? Absolutely. So, you know, things move fast in tech and telecom, you know, as new regulations are passed and business trends emerge, keeping up to date is obviously tricky. And then, you know, to your point, this multiplies in complexity when you add on localization. What do you think are kind of maybe one or two trends that will have an impact on mobility in 2023 and beyond? Anything that teams should keep a close eye on? One of the areas I see a big trend towards, and it, and it ties to what we've been talking about throughout this, this discussion, um, is a lot of companies trying to move towards vendor consolidation. Mm. Um, so rather than having those 30, 40, 50 different uh, suppliers for their mobility, they try to condense it down to a small number, You know, ideally one. And there's some merit in that, and, and often that means looking at the likes of uh, a Vodafone Global Enterprise or a Free Move Alliance or Telefonica or one of the big kind of mm-hmm. alliance groups. Um, there is benefit to that. And again, it's a trend I see a lot of companies moving towards. But there's also pitfalls and, and things to be considered when going down that route. You know, if you go with one of the large um, alliances, 
they they will have likely coverage in most countries, but it's probably with one carrier. So you'll be mm. forced to use the carrier that's part of their alliance. And that carrier may not meet your local needs. They may not offer the right plans. They may not offer the right coverage to where your user base is. Um, they may not have the right kind of level of reporting and things like that. So there's certainly um, thoughts to say that consolidation doesn't necessarily mean a better service. It might mean easier to manage. Mm -hmm. uh, it might give you some scale that means that you can get slightly cheaper prices, but doesn't necessarily mean that the user experience is going to be better. Um, so I'd certainly encourage our listeners to, to think about that. Um, if you are going down the consolidation route, you know, do think about your needs at the local level. Do think about um, kind of your reporting needs and uh, how you get data, because a lot of these uh, alliances, they don't have the ability to pull the granular data from all mm -hmm. of these you know, individual companies. That's a good point. Um, you know, so they offer a very high level what do you pay, but not necessarily all of the core cool detail records and things that you might want to do to really understand um, what's happening behind the scenes. Um, there's also a thought on ordering when you consolidate to a single uh, single global ent entity, how are you ordering devices across these countries? Is it one single process across all of those countries or is it still individual local processes? Are you really getting away from the complexity? Um, you might have one supplier on paper, but still have 30 different processes to order a phone because you still need to order those locally with the local carriers. Mm, that's true. Um, so, Things to think about there and, and certainly a trend I'm seeing a lot of companies dip toes into. Um, and again, some of the things I've described, I'm seeing that pain uh, played out. Um, the other trend which seems to stick around and, and isn't necessarily just uh, thinking internationally, but also, of course, for the US as well. Um, but bring your own device or, mm -hmm. or bring your own SIM or whatever uh, flavor of that bring your own you think about. There's a lot of companies been looking at it for many years. Um, I've never seen it gain a huge amount of traction. Um, again, certainly companies dip toes into it. I've seen companies go full BYOD, see companies go partial BYOD or for stipends. Um, I've also seen companies go backwards and go away from the BYOD yeah. back to corporates model. Um, it's a conversation I have repeatedly, uh, and I don't think it's disappearing, but equally, I don't think it's the future where everyone's going to tomorrow. So I think it's sticking around for the foreseeable future, and I'll be intrigued to see how it, it plays out. Again, when you think about security concerns, regulatory concerns, um, those employee rights I mentioned, there's a lot to think about there, especially if you're going across lots of countries um, and the, the risk and complexity can be too much to want to handle. So I think it's a trend to be worth watching. I, I don't know if I'm honest where that's going to end up in the future. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. It feels like it's just kind of been sticking around for a while and there, there can be some advantages, but then there's also some kind of pitfalls that people don't necessarily see before they kind of jump into it. Um, all of this was great advice, Ben. You know, I really... It was great having you. And from my standpoint, you know, managing mobile devices and end users outside the U.S. can certainly be a headache. It sounds like there's a lot to think about. Uh, and we know that finding the right partner, the right support that you need, and, you know, determining your strategy is the key to success. So I personally look forward to continuing our chat around international mobility in upcoming episodes. And, you know, I want to thank you again for joining me and, and have a great day. Great. Thanks for having me. From all of us here at VMOX, thank you for listening. Remember, mobile victory can be yours. Just trust in the experts. We'll see you next time on the road to mobile victory. To learn more, visit us at vmox.com or follow us on LinkedIn.